Hello, and welcome back to Falling Out. As ever, I'm your host, Elgin Strait. I hope you listened to part one of this interview with Algin and Sunne. Part two includes some of the best karmic justice I have ever witnessed. Someone's going to come back from part one, and they're going to get something that they richly deserved. It's amazing. Okay, before we get to the show, I just wanted to address something. So I've gotten a lot of really positive feedback about this show. And I've still yet to receive any hate mail, which is quite astonishing to me. But I have to say, in the last week, I received, first of all, I think I received more positive, just unsolicited positive feedback than in any previous week. But I also received my first one-star review on Apple Podcast. And I would like to address the complaints head on. This is from a user named Pumice Pow. The title is Disappointed. Had expected so much more. Interviewing is pathetic. He is redundant, interrupts, and not deft at asking probing questions. Actually, the podcasts are quite boring. I am sorry, sir, that you are disappointed. I have a few thoughts, though. If you were expecting much more, could you please be more specific about what you were expecting? Then perhaps I could address those concerns. Hit me up. Tell me what more you would like to see or hear. He is redundant, interrupts, and not deft at asking probing questions. Okay. I will say, when I started, I interrupted a lot. That got a lot better over time. And I would hazard a guess that this fine person, Pumice Pal, only got through the first two, maybe three episodes. If they'd only fast-forwarded a little bit, there would be a lot less interrupting. Actually, the podcasts are quite boring. Pumice Powell, go, if, if they're boring you, then go spend your time elsewhere. Find something better to do with your life. No one's forcing you to listen to this. Yeah, please go off. Enjoy frolicking with your lava rocks. Whatever you do, Pumice Powell, just in, enjoy. Get it. Get out there, man. Don't let me waste your time. Please go for it. And meanwhile, to offer a counterpoint to that one-star review, I'd like to play a snippet from a voice note that I received this week, which was... An awesome thing to receive. If anyone else would like to contribute some, record them and send them to voice notes at fallingoutpod.com. Here it is. Um, hi, good afternoon. Um, first, I, I just wanted to say that I am um, that I'm absolutely fascinated by this podcast and that I find the content very highly relatable. You, you have reminded me of many things that I had forgotten uh, during this. It was like a six-month time period where I was living in, um, I was living, I was living with the Clifton, New Jersey chapter of the Unification Church way back in 2002. I'm actually originally from the Catskill Mountains in upstate New York, and um, a really long time ago, my father passed away, and my mother was having a very difficult time raising me by herself. So uh, my father's brother uh, offered to adopt me for for a while. And uh, he used this opportunity to try to get me to join the church. You know, when we got to the six-month marker, my uncle had already enrolled me into, um, I don't know if you remember, the Ilshim ceremony. And when my mother found out that this was like a precursor for an arranged marriage, she literally drove uh, 100 miles south to New Jersey, to Clifton, to recover me. Um, and I just remember like the way that my uncle and all of his friends in the church had put it, 
you know, it's, it didn't seem like it was wrong. So this was just something that I mentioned to my mother briefly in passing on a phone call. And she, and she was literally down there in two hours after I had mentioned this to her, but it was, yeah, like the way my uncle and all of his friends talked about it, it was like, I was lucky to be a part of something like this. And I, I, you know, like I was going to be taking off and doing big things if I followed through with all of their instructions and things of that nature and that I would make connections and this, you know, I'd get to travel and meet people. So, you know, like I, I, bought it hook, line and sinker after a while. And they really almost had me, but my mother was like not having it. So she came and got me out of there. And in the years following, my uncle has still tried to get me to come back down. He recently purchased land uh, with some buddies of his from the church down in Pennsylvania. And he keeps trying to get me to come down there out of the blue. He is after years of like preaching nonviolence, he is all of a sudden an incredible gun enthusiast. And he keeps uh, going on and on about silver um, yeah, very strange. I won't really go down there. I feel like I really, uh, pun, pun intended, I suppose, dodged a bullet when, you know, I know that like I've been listening to your podcast and it, it sounds like, you know, these people had some really awful experiences, yourself included, um, with, with this stuff. I had blocked all of this out of my memory for the most part. It's just that like, I kept, see, I keep seeing articles about the ministry of the iron rod. And every time I see it, you know, I'm, I'm like, what are these guys doing now? And I always click on it. And I found a link on one of uh, their vice articles the other day that led me to your podcast. So I'm about two days into it. I've only listened to two episodes. Like I'm, I am trying to binge through this. I am trying to like, get to the get to some like every time I hear something like that you, you know, like one of the like camp sunrise, I'm just like, Oh my God. Yeah. They sent us there. Like, you know, I'm trying, it's, it's incredible. Like I was just like, yo, I, I, you know, like these guys, they, they know how weird all this was. I don't know. I, basically I'm just a fan and I wanted to reach out and I, I hope that this finds you well and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. I just want to say thank you to the author of this. That's awesome hearing stuff like this. Okay. And now that we've listened to that, I just want to talk a little bit more about this episode. Again, I'm Assuming you've listened to part one, so you know the backstory with Elgin's getting expelled from New Hope Academy and subsequently leaving the D.C. area to go to Iowa with their family. I have to say in this one, I need to warn you, we talk about suicide. Yes, it's gone from a recurring theme to a frequently recurring theme. And for any listener who's still on the fence about whether or not this so-called religious movement is a force for good or evil, make note of that in your mental calculus. Yes, suicide is now definitely a recurring theme on this show. We also talk about sexual assault, so prepare yourself for that. The beginning of this one is a little choppy, so let me just explain. The audio cut out for Sunny, and then Sunny had to go kind of go off and, and leave the session and come back. And meanwhile, I was just kind of chit-chatting with, with Algin. And we actually talked about some cool stuff. And so it's going to be, it's, it's, it's a little choppy coming in, but I think you'll follow. And uh, I thought it was a fun conversation that we had talking about the sort of feeling like we, we lived two, two very different lives within this cult. Anyway, thank you so much to Algin and Sunny. Here it is, part two with them. for allowing us to participate no problem thank you thank you guys for reaching out um i think uh you know i well like i said i didn't really know um i guess 
when I started doing this, I had no idea what their sponsor would be. And, and specifically when I started season two, I kind of, I had an idea of where it was going to go. Um, but then it kind of changed when I, when I did the interview with, with Leamy Bauer. Um, and like, and, and now that you guys are, have come forward, I'm like, this is actually really interesting. I think this should be part of this season. And so it's been really interesting, just kind of like, it's kind of unfolding in real time in a way that I didn't really expect it to. So, and I feel like I need to mention this on the show. Like I sort of promise one thing, but it's kind of changing, but I think it's for the better for the whole thing. Uh, but I'm just really grateful that you guys are here and we're having this conversation because I, yeah, I just think it's really, yeah. it's really fascinating and really interesting. Uh, I was going to, I don't know if I want, if I want to say this on tape or not, but, and I'm trying to figure out what the reference is, but I think it's like, um, just when your sister was mentioning, like, she heard of me as a kid and I was this like angelic, supposedly angelic kid. <laughs> and then there's you with like a virtually identical name who's this like shunned, shunned kid. Um, yeah. and, it, and it made me think of like, I think it's, um, do you know the movie Unbreakable? Um, with yeah. like, uh, and it's like, it's like Glass and what's his name? And it's like, these two there's like super villain and superhero and they like they can't exist without each other that's I mean, uh, that's like part of the part of the part of the film and I, it just made me think of of that of like these two people yeah. that have like virtually the same name they're like and i'm not like it's just like part of the i don't know that was what was flashing through my head when, when your sister mentioned that yeah no that's interesting because I, I think you know it because i remember hearing your name and stuff and and the fact that um you know life goes on after Maryland and and then your name comes up again you know thousands of years later yeah yeah and and I'm like wait a second you know I I may have a chance to connect with someone with with you you know who our names sound so similar and we both grew up in the church and you know like yeah I mean just uh you know and it's interesting because you know I don't remember you being um you know, super good or super bad, you know, uh, back then, like Sunny has, because, you know, she had more involvement with the, the church members than I did. Um, but, you know, just to kind of, um, have that perspective, you know, like you had it okay. And, you know, I had the break bowl part, you know, I was broken and, and, Mm. you know, you were sheltered. And yeah. that it's kind of interesting, you know. Yeah, it is. That's what I'm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what it really feels like. Like really, like like the opposite sides of the coin, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh like. Yeah. Yeah, it which is really crazy, especially having like pretty much the same name. I'm like to meet someone who had like, you know, the inverse experience. It's like whoa. Yeah. Now and now, you know, at this point in my life and your life, to to meet, it's just wild. Um. So. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. Sonny, let's see. Let's see how the audio sounds. Is it okay? Testing. Yeah, it's better. It's yeah, we're back. Better. We're back. We're back. Okay. Um, so shall we pick up where we left off? Yeah, we were uh, we were talking about all the the old old, old dilapidated houses in all the in all the states. Um, oh yeah, and so for yeah. Iowa. Yeah, and so aldrin i don't remember did you go a lot with us to the different sunday things or did you get to stay home i I caught it a lot um i i think even in maryland you know they would put up the that fucking church symbol um on a flag and everyone had to put it up on their door 
And I'd come home from school and I'd tear it down. Mom <laughs> would put it back up. Next day, I'd tear it down. Um, so, you know, when we moved to Maryland and knowing that there was, you know, hardly anyone that, you know, there was kind of this freedom, you know, I, I felt more comfortable saying, no, I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going to participate. And there were, you know, a handful of arguments about it, but I think only when it benefited me, I was willing to go. So like Hmm. we, when we got to Iowa, we did get to go back to New York for Camp Sunrise. Um, and, uh, you know, and then I think there was another trip that we went to, to Minnesota. Um, but you know, the, the trips to Dyersville and, and Des Moines, it was just, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't actually remember you there much. That's the thing. <laughs> so like, I remember going and, you know, I, I got to hang out with, um, you know, some people that, uh, they're both the, the two friends that I really had growing up here in Iowa with the church they're both in it um and I wish one of them wasn't she wasn't for a while so they're still in it now yeah she actually left it for a while um and then she moved to New York because she was also born in New York we were friends from New York um and then we happened to live in Iowa again um but she she ended up having to do that whole process of, you know, getting forgiven as a second generation to be back into the church. Um, but she's not been matched. Like she's, she doesn't believe that she'll ever get matched. So she'll like, so she's been forgiven, but she has, but she's not getting matched. Right. Yeah. But she could like, she technically could, she technically could, but I don't, I I don't know all of her hangups on it, but it is one of she she herself has a very fascinating story and but somehow when she ended up back in New York she got sucked up into the church again and was doing some other things hey that's yeah. a whole nother story but yeah um, but yeah we would go to Des Moines and then to Dyersville which the coolest thing about that is where you know that's where the Field of Dreams was filmed um, oh okay oh okay I, I, Dyersville doesn't mean anything to me but Field of Dreams so, I, I know definitely yeah um and, you know and so like that was that was our regular Sunday thing. And occasionally we would hold it at our house. Um, and then there was another family that was in Waterloo, you know, or Cedar Falls area, which is more Northern Iowa. Um, so like we would spend, you know, two to three hours traveling, you know, to wow. do this and then coming back and, you know, things like that. So it was definitely a day made of it. Like you went to church thing and then you had, we did, we did a lot of family fun things like, you know, activities and stuff like that. And we ate a lot of, you know, Korean style foods or whatever. Um, and so, you know, that like that was the community, but it was easier to, so like we didn't, in Maryland, we didn't get up every morning to do pledge. We only did it sometimes on Sundays when we felt like it. Like our parents were like all about doing that. When we got to Iowa, I think we did it like three times. You know, just they were just like, yeah, no, like we don't need to do that. Um, and I think we just like sleep. I don't know. Um, so like we were starting. Sleep is important. It's part of life. It's you know, yeah, you know. And parents are starting to get old, you know, and bending over a to pictures, just ridiculous. Um, yeah. But so like we started 
fading a little bit out, but we would have involvement enough to keep up appearances. Um, but there was one family that also lived in Dyersville. So there's two families that lived up there. Um, and this guy was so gung ho about, you know, the, the church and the teachings and stuff like that. But he was such a arrogant prick. <laughs> and I remember one time I was involved in theater. I like to do like plays and stuff like that. And I was doing the lighting. Um, this is my freshman year of high school. I was doing the lighting for this play. And I was really proud of it because I learned all the technical stuff and I was learning how to make light be art. Um, and I, he was like, oh, well, you know, if you have a play, I'll come see it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, I do have a play. And he's like, oh, what part are you playing? Like, well, I'm doing the lighting. He's like, I'm not going to come down to see <laughs> for the lighting. But he, but then he went on this whole thing about how, you know, the the second generation should be going out and doing more, putting themselves more out you know, there and being the center of attention, being in the, at the play, I think like that kind of, that is an exceptionalism type of thing that we need to, you know, achieve. And I was like, (laughs) I think uh, that's something that we've kind of talked about on this show before, but I I feel like that really, God, it's so, it's really damaging concept. Like the only, the only value you have is, is the value that you have that like makes the organization look good like and it's like fuck that like 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 there's no there's no embrace of just the enjoyment of life in 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 there it's it's like it's like nothing that you do is is intrinsically good it's only good if it if it does an outcome that like makes the organization look good um i I don't know it's a really damaging part of the psyche of the whole organization and i something i'd like to dive into like maybe in greater depth at another point but i think it's a really really fascinating it's a really illuminating point to make that like this guy was like oh you're working on lighting like i'm not even interested like fuck oh fuck to me lighting was a wonderful art form like it's so complicated and i can't watch Uh, play without considering what's going on with the lighting anymore yeah you know but that was something I was so proud of. And like, I was the solo, you know, technician on this lighting. So I did it all myself and I was, but it wasn't good enough. Um, and it was also, it wasn't good enough that, you know, I didn't learn Korean as well or at all really um, by the point that point. And he was really big about everybody learning Korean. Um, you know, like I knew Kamsamida and he like <laughs> I just know enough to hold a conversation. He's like, well, that's how you're going to get into heaven. Did he speak Korean? Yes. Oh, wait, 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 wait. He wasn't Korean, but he actually spoke Korean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I spent his time, you know, early years before he got matched um, in the church in Korea, you know, and oh, he felt like no. he just had this air of piousness and like just being better than everybody. And yeah. The, it was people like him that started really getting me like, Mm. <laughs> just really mm. but but coming to i, I guess i should I, I i don't want to be all over the place but coming from maryland to iowa um and actually going from new hope academy to public school because when my sister left um my mom said that there was for some reason after they kicked my sister out of new hope academy i wasn't allowed to go to new hope either no so, way a family was tainted. Yeah. So like there was those fuckers. Jesus Christ. But in in my opinion, it was kind of a because <laughs> then I went, we went to public school. Um and I made one of my best friends, you know, in public school. 
Um, and the only bully I had was my sister, you know, <laughs> uh, 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 you know, like it was, it was just one of the, um, I think we started getting a little bit more freedom and, but also kind of learning a little bit more about the world outside of the church, you know, like we weren't mm. around it all the time, you know, and we had friends, you know, I, one of my best friends, you know, she was African-American and in her house, she had a picture of a black Jesus up on the wall. Amazing. I, I looked at that and that was my first time ever seeing a black Jesus. Um, but I was just like, well, Jesus isn't black. He's Korean. <laughs> she didn't said the words, what the fuck, but she definitely gave me that what the fuck. <laughs> Jewish and Middle Eastern or the Germanic you know, that Europeans put on him, but like, uh, he's Korean. <laughs> um, all the kind of things that I was like learning about the outside world that there's these other thoughts and things that were going on that there's more to it than what I was in. Um, and then moving, but going into the elementary school, the, the public school, um, I was extremely behind in education. So I, I ended up going to leaving New Hope Academy in first grade and entering in um, James H. Harrison High School in Laurel, Maryland, um, uh, in the middle of first grade. And I could not read um at any level um so i and i just i I just want to make sure i get this on the record so and my understanding is that that's because you went to new hope academy where they were teaching you to fucking read korean instead of reading english as as well as other other things yeah there's more evidence on on other things other than the yeah yeah okay but see that's where hooked on phonics came into play in our household was when we got out of New Hope Academy because we didn't know shit about it. And, you know, we had to get up to date with everything. Okay. And that, that was another thing, you know, being made fun of for being in resource center or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they, it's just catch up. Yeah. Okay. So church was That's- so in. I, I was just, I'm really glad we're getting this on the record because this is, I feel like this is a really interesting part of the church is that the whole, like, just, I don't know, the whole, the whole fucked upness of the, the educational structure that they, that they tried to put around us. Um, and, and I'm just, I'm glad, like, I, it's come up in other places, in other contexts, but this is really interesting to hear about this and the, the impacts that it had on your life. Like, you know, going to this supposedly educational institution where you come out and it's like, you know, you're behind in reading. Like that's a pretty fucking foundational, foundational like thing to do that any educator should goddamn prioritize if they actually give a shit about your actual education. But clearly they didn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I mean, I, I was really behind at Jane H. Harrison, um, but I ended up um, catching up somehow. I, I think I spent a lot of time in like extra reading classes outside of the classroom um, and things like that. And Ended up catching up and ended up being on the honor roll and was, Rats. like, you know, got a coupon to TGIF, you know, for every <laughs> on the honor roll. Um, but like then moving to Iowa, um, there is a huge difference in Maryland's standards of education and Iowa's standards of education. <laughs> where I'm now almost a full year behind um, in that. And that led to me getting bullied and being, you know, like, 
for the first time in my life, I didn't have friends that came natural, you know, like that were easy. Wait, so you're saying in Iowa, in Iowa, they were like further ahead educationally? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like I, I moved there in the middle of fourth grade. Um, I was just learning how to do multiplication. Um, and then, um, in Iowa, they were already past multiplication. They were past division. They were learning. Uh you know, there was, I I don't even remember, but so I ended up again, falling behind and I never caught up. Like I eventually learned, Mm. but like, I never fully caught up and that's always been a moment that like, but that's more of the education system in Iowa versus Maryland, um, more than a church thing. But, um, you know, but then on top of that, you know, Alden's having her experience and then like, I'm having my own isolation and experience in Iowa, like, it was just kind of a weird moment. Yeah. So mad at, I was so mad at our mom and dad for moving us to Iowa, but I mean, it was a blessing, you know, in disguise, but it was just kind of like, you know, why did you take me from somewhere I was doing? Well? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was because, you know, we had to move to the, the home ran, you know, set up the home church mm-hmm. and you know, things like that. Um, did they uh did they successfully bring in any uh you know new recruits or anything? <laughs> nope. Uh, oh. <laughs> Pretty much after we moved here, they like it was they were done. I mean, like they were still participating, but I they were slowly just like all right. And then they finally came they finally came got out of the church. Was it two thousand or two thousand one? Um, yeah, around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So your, your parents have left. Actually, I want to, I want to, I want to ask you both how you left and then how your parents left. But I also just want to make the point that kind of hearing this and hearing some of the other stories that I've heard, I feel like this whole like home church Providence was probably like one of the biggest strategic errors that, that Moon ever made in trying to build his empire. Um, because yeah, because it meant that people like you, you know, if you had stayed in Maryland and stayed in that community, um, your parents probably wouldn't have left um, or th- they would have stayed longer. I would I would certainly hazard a guess that they would have stayed longer and maybe they would still be in it. Um, and, you know, if I look at my parents who've been in you know, forever and they're still living in the D.C. area, like if they had left and gone somewhere where they didn't have that structure around them, they probably would have left. 15 years ago or something like that. So I, I, I think, yeah, I think Moon made a big strategic error in, in, in doing that. He, he lost a ton of, a ton of members and all the money, which is what that motherfucker cares about. Let's be honest. Um, he, he lost it by, by, by doing that. He kind of like, he almost tried to expand his empire too far, too far and too fast. And then he lost, he lost, he lost yeah. all, he lost. He probably did a little too much Pope that day with, he's the messiah he would he would never touch a drug just like he would never sleep with a woman who is not his wife that was cool that was that was holy dust but yeah i want to i want to talk about how you guys left i always think that's a fascinating topic yeah i'll do you that Sorry, I thought you were talking to me. No, okay, okay, that one. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, all gen, the E and the A. Um, but I, I would say, you know, I I left in my heart at the age of eight when all that happened. 
And that's the earliest I've heard. That that's that's amazing. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and you know, my at that time, you know, my desire was to see what else was out there, you know, and experiment and everything. And um, you know, as as I got older, it was still the same. Um, and I I think um, you know, again, getting moving to Iowa definitely uh, helped, and even though it was a really tough transition over the years, it became, you know, like Iowa had, I'm still here, you know, it's still my home. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just really where I transitioned into a teenager and adulthood became a mother, you know, um, understood what it, you know, what it could have been or what it was like, you know, from a mother perspective, you know, as it was for my mom um, you know, raising kids in, in such a bizarre environment. Um, but, you know, I, the transition of all of that and the experiences were really tough and I ran away a lot and I lived out on the streets and I lived Uh under the bridges and I was, you know, doing a lot of different, very bad drugs, um, at the age of 14, 15, you know, uh, 13 was, you know, the, the kicker point, um, you know, lost my virginity at the age of 13. Um, and just a lot of, you know, let's, let's like, let's see how much I can fucking sing. And, you know, you guys just fuck off and eat a dick kind of mentality, yeah. you know? Um, and, uh, but I did end up going, you know, I tried to commit suicide. I went through oh, all man. of that. Um, God. at what and, age? Uh, uh, 13 was the earliest. When it squelched, I was, I had a basement. I lived in the basement. Um, and, um, just, you know, I don't want to provoke any trigger warnings for anybody, but you know, there, you find, you find your resources and you try and find a way to end it. Um, and it was just, you know, overwhelming. I think, you know, even though no, no matter how badly I wanted to experience everything, um, outside of the church getting to know how people really are in general, um, you know, was overwhelming for me, you know, just how ugly people can be, you know, in a, in school or outside of school and, and, um, just being hit with that reality was, was tough. Um, cause I think in a way I just kind of set up my own reality and, um, uh, and my perception of how I think people should be. And, you know, I wanted to feel safe, but, you know, I wasn't safe. I put myself and I think just the whole situation and my parents still working and, and, you know, just transitioning into a teenage girl, um, you know, I put myself in, in a lot of harmful situations, um, but did make me tough as fuck and, um, you know, did give me the, the wisdom that I, you know, still carry with me and used to help other people in, you know, tough situations. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the suicidalness, the drugs, the sexual assault, the sleeping under the bridge, you know, um, going to rehab was kind of a trigger. Um, so, you know, as a teen, they don't know what to do with you, even though you didn't really abuse hard drugs, they're just going to throw you into an institution. Um, and, so going to um, 
a rehab center for three months at the age of, you know, end of 14 to 15 was like, well, what the fuck? You know, this is a cult. You want me to read this fucking AA book, you know, and and think a higher fucking power. You know, this is, it was none of that. You know, like I, I just yeah. could not could not accept that and, you know, just kind of played my way through, um, just like I did with everything. And and uh, you know, eventually I didn't go to a normal high school. I went to an alternative high school. Um, and I was very grateful for that. You know, I had some really great mentors and one of them was actually a cult, the programmer. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you met a cult, the programmer when you were in your teen, when you were a teen. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Not really being able, like I, looking back at it, I couldn't really vocalize, you know, Hey, help me. This was my situation. Yeah. You know, I was in a cult. My parents are still in this church. Yeah. You know, I didn't really say that um to anybody so i don't i don't know if she ever contacted my mom but i think there was like somehow a, a way to reach out to her um anyway but uh being able to have that experience of you know okay there's there's more freedom but it's a structured freedom uh-huh. um being in an alternative school where you can leave the building and go smoke a cigarette for your break and come back in, um, you could leave the building and go get stoned and your, your art teacher's going to say, oh, you have allergies, don't you? You know, like just being able to <laughs> have that laid back freedom and still get an education and still be able to, you know, earn your credits to graduate was great. Um, and then, you know, life moved on. Um, I got pregnant at the age of 17 and, you know, my childhood was kind of over at that point and yeah moved on to, i think it'll do will do that to you yeah, yeah I, but i would say you know definitely um early age of eight was funny like wow yeah i mean i can imagine you're eight years old and that happens to you you're like just fuck this and, and like and when i was eight i couldn't have even said it that way but looking but yeah i mean just yeah you're you're done right like, like they they kick you out to the curb. So what, what more does it offer you? Why would you want to be involved in it? It just seems like. It was just logical. Yeah. You know? At least I had that, you know, I, I may not learn um, how to read at a, at the proper age or do math, but at least I had logical reasoning um, yeah. in me. Like I was able to work it out with myself and kind of yeah. as a survival mechanism uh, in a social setting, you know, I was able to do that and just. Yeah protect myself from everyone yeah yeah uh it's an amazing in like instinct for an eight-year-old to just uh, to realize that and it shows you kind of how i don't know how, how deep those survival instincts run that you're like i'm done at, like at this age you do that to me i'm, I'm out uh that's kind of amazing to hear that um i mean but still a crazy story and i'm like that's the earliest i've heard of anyone leaving um and I've never heard of anyone being like shunned at that age. I'm, I'm shocked. Um, and, and these motherfuckers should be fucking ashamed of themselves for doing that to you. Cause. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. 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 Jesus. Um, all right. So, so, so Sunday, what's the, what's, 
I feel like for you, it's a bit less like there's probably less of a less of a shark line in sand and probably a bit like a, a bit of a different story. So I'm just kind of curious, like what what your your story is after leaving. Oh, mine is definitely a slow burn. Uh, uh, there's this. OK, so going back from like when we when we got to Maryland um, or sorry, when we got to Iowa, um, because of the situation that Aldrin was experiencing and, you know, that turmoil that she was going through, um, that need to not just for church sake, but for family's sake, be the peacekeeper, be the, the person who was doing all the right things all the time, um, was the, the biggest, um, part of all of the issues that I ended up having. But um but the the big thing for me was the stuff revolving around um sex and unconditional love and you know just some things that were starting, you know, probably at like 10 or 11, I was starting to be like, wait, wait, what? You know, like because mm. I I was actually reading uh the divine principle out loud during one of the um church services that we went because I was, you know, trying to be the goody two shoes and look at me. I'm, I'm really into this shit. And when I was reading, I don't even remember what passage it was, but when I was reading that passage, I was just like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> like, wait, why, why would, and I can't, I wish I could remember that pivotal, like thought that I had about, I was just like, but why, you know? And so that, there's, no, there, there's like there's like four million things that don't make sense. So it's like it's like impossible. I you could not go back and find it if you wanted to. <laughs> but so I think at that point I started giving myself permission to uh, start asking why um, a lot more. Um, the other part of it was the the things that my sister was going through. I saw my parents um, trying to turn to their faith into the church community for help and nothing was coming back yeah let me guess they are not they are not equipped for that they're no they ain't ready for it they would not help my family in any way so part of it was you know that my mom was like we need to just get all out of iowa city away from these people that you know are continuously you know influencing her to do drugs and all this other stuff um you know, can she stay with you guys until we can get her into rehab or get her, you know, whatever. And they're like, no, we don't want to touch her with a 10 foot pole type of thing. Like just not, no, don't bring her here type of thing. Um, and I saw that and I heard those conversations and I, I was just like, I just remembered a few of my other friends that I had that weren't the, you know, more mainstream religions. And they always talk about their church community and you know, how, you know, somebody was down on their luck with money or whatever, and like there was some charity that helped them or, you know, there was just always some sort of community. And I was just like, but again, we're supposed to be unifying the world. Why, you know, like, why are we so separating ourselves? Like, why is that? And so, again, more of those questions of like, everything that the, the church tried to say was the truth or was their principles of operating and things like that nobody adhered to when it came down to you know the moment when they should have yeah you know you know the moment where all your training and all like and and you don't follow through with what you've you know were raised to do 
But yeah. on the flip side, my parents w- had opened up their doors to people and tried to help. Like they were always giving and doing and things like that and just nothing in return. Um, but, you know, also we could leave her name out as well. But yeah. um, <laughs> also going through some slimmer things and they were sort of close family friends, not okay. I don't know how close, but there were enough where my mom reached out to her like help and mm. she, she said well we couldn't you know we can't because our daughter's going through the same thing like they're just oh. couldn't do this you know that sort of thing I know. Wait. and so wait i just want to i just want to get this on the record because these names are going to be leaked out but the person the mother of the person that you just mentioned mm-hmm. whose daughter was going through so-called similar things is the same person that kicked your sister out of school yeah or Talking about what sex was when she was eight years old. Yes. Yep. Okay. But I, found that one, I just want to. Sorry, say it again. Sorry. When I found out about that, I had a really step drink. Yeah, for sure. It was. Yeah. It was a celebratory moment. Yeah, man. Karma's a bitch, dude. Like it's coming. It'll come back and bite you. Jesus Christ. Um. Holy shit. Okay, that's that's kind of amazing that's come up. So wait, do you know what happened to, to, to that girl? Um, just from things that I've seen on social media, she's living her life. You know, I don't think she's in I, I know she's not in the church. Yeah. Um, you know, but I I was never close with her, so I never really tried to keep in contact or whatever. But you know, I've I've seen her pop up here and there. Okay. Um and I'm happy for her. It seems like she I mean yeah, go yeah, live your live your life, right? Live your life. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like, well, the the person who shunned you, like now she has to live with having a daughter that she has to also shun. Great, like, you know, yeah, well, yeah, uh, you, know, yeah. Like you know, that's what you want to do. That's how you want to live your life. Then great, go for it. But at least, at least she's experiencing what she went you through in some, what which put you through in some in some way. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So holy shit. Okay. It's Sorry. all of that, and then just like the, I I don't know. There was just a lot of those things that I was just seeing the hypocrisy with, and I was, you know, if you ever study developmental psychology and things like that, you learn that there's different stages in which people's brains start processing logic at a different, you know, level. You know, beyond just the ego. You know, with the child thinking only about themselves, which a lot of people are stunted at. But then people start thinking about the world around them and how things are affected by what they do to others and starting to develop empathy. And then they're thinking about the entire world and how everything <laughs> processes it. I was in between two of those stages at that point. Mm. And so like, I'm, I'm starting to realize there's a world bigger than me. There's definitely more to faith and spirituality and religion than what I had grown up thinking um and then some of the other kind of trigger moments for me was um you know i i got my period when i was 11 which was normal age in our family line and i was terrified i was so upset it wasn't just because oh no i had you know this thing i had to deal with but my understanding was okay now i'm a woman who's susceptible to satan's lure you know like Oh. I'm going to, I, I'm going to be more vulnerable to that. 
um, because Adam and Eve fell when they were teenagers. Yeah. And I dreaded becoming a teenager. I did not want to be that because I didn't want to fall. Um, and so instead of, you know, I don't know how everybody else does it, but instead of, you know, celebrating this passage into womanhood or, you know, becoming, going through that whole thing, I bawled and I was like, no, like make it stop. I don't want this, you know, that sort of thing. And so it was a hard transition for me on that. Um, but eventually, you know, so starting around that time, which was 11 or 11 years old, and then going into, you know, more progressive thinking, you know, thinking more about theology and, and stuff like that. I started learning about world religions and school and stuff. Um, and I took this uh, AP Euro class in high school. Um, so AP European history. And sorry and, for the international crowd, AP is advanced placement. Uh, yeah. yeah. Advanced <laughs> so placement. Or yeah, it's like you're, yeah, you're doing a college level course in high school, basically. Yeah. yeah. And in those credits transfer into your college yeah, career. Yeah. And so I was taking this class and um, was learning about the Reformation, you know, with um, the from Catholics to Protestants and, you know, the theses and things like that were stapled on the door by Martin Luther. And mm. one of the biggest things was, um, you know, the selling of indulgences. So having to pay money to get yourself out of purgatory and into heaven. Um, you know, and that's what the Catholic Church was doing a lot of. Um, at this same time, uh, in me learning this, uh, the Unification Church was doing um, these huge fundraisers and these huge workshops to raise money for their kingdom of heaven on earth, which was in Korea, the the palace in Korea. And um I remember my mom went to a workshop in Chicago um, and I think I went as well because I remember seeing these images, but I don't actually recall if I was there or not. But I remember seeing people like hitting themselves really hard on the back. And then they were talking about, you have to, um, you pay this amount, you, you dredge up all your ancestral information. You pay this amount to free all of your ancestors from you know, this sense of purgatory, essentially, in the spiritual world. Um, and then you have to continue to pay in order to continue the work that needs to be done. And, and actually, I just want to pause there and just I, I want to kind of like help people who may not have grown up in the church to understand how this connects to some of the other things that that, that have been spoken about on this show. So um uh, what Sunday is referring to is uh, this practice called Onsu, which is ancestral liberation. Um, it happens a lot at the church, um, the Unification Church uh, compound in South Korea called Chungpyong. We've spoken about it before on this show. Um, but there were also, I don't know how, how to really describe it, but they're almost like I don't know, like tours where like the people that would run these, these onsu sessions where you beat each other to try and beat the evil spirits out of each other, at, at, yeah, out of each other, basically. The people who would run those in Korea would come to Chicago and New York and DC and all these countries uh, and all these cities in the US, probably in other countries as well, and hold these similar sessions where you'd go to like a big hotel room or, you know, something like that. And there'd be a couple thousand people beating each other. 
to remove these evil spirits. Um, and, and it was directly linked linked to uh, the equivalent of indulgences, effectively, in the, in the Unification Church, where uh, you would pay, they'd be like, okay, you want to, you want to, quote unquote, liberate one, um, you know, one generation, it'll cost you X. You want to liberate two generations, it'll cost you X. And they think they were like encouraging you to like liberate 70 generations or something. I forget the number. But you would do that. To do that, you had to pay the money and go to this thing where people would sit in a room and beat each other, basically. Um, yeah. And that's what happened in Chungpyong, and that's what Sunday is talking about happening all over the U.S. Sorry. Yes, I think you've heard the vocabulary on that because I never ended up learning what the actual Korean words were for or the church words were for. Yeah, it's onto. That's what it's called. Onto is, is ancestral liberation. I mean, who knows if that's actually something. Like, I don't speak Korean. Maybe that's just some shit they made up in Korean, but I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, I, I think, and again, I don't remember how I gained the knowledge if I was actually there or if it was something that my mom and dad were talking about after the fact. And so I overheard it, but there, there was that that made the connection for me. And I was just mm. like, you know, I, I don't consider myself Christian at all. So I, I'm speaking from a scholarly perspective, but. <laughs> I was thinking, well, that was the downfall of the Catholic Church, you know, yeah. for a good reason, you know, and then, I mean, granted, the Catholic Church is still there, but, you know, that was what created this Protestant re- Reformation in history. And for good reason, these, how could you use a physical monetary fund to do something spiritual? Like, what does money have to do with spirituality? Um, and then so i was like okay i think i think this is stupid why am i in this church like why am i even doing anything with it um but then all of a sudden the, um the over the summer there was this option to go to the pure love alliance um tour which was the biggest one that they were going to have up to that point and what what year is this just 2000 2000 okay um and so this was you know, the to I can't remember the whole phrase, but it was definitely to promote abstinence before marriage and fidelity within. Yeah. Um, and it was a, a nonprofit, non-denominational organization. That's what they say. That's what they say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this was going to be a huge one because not only were we going to go across, you know, the United States, you know, or to different cities and states in the united states but we were going to go to europe um i'm just learning french at that point in school and i thought i was going to be a fashion designer and move to france so like being able to visit france you know on this discounted trip yeah. because it would have cost more to do yeah that's the thing they charge you like a grand or two but you know it would cost you like multiples of that if you did it on your own or something or something like that i think that's kind of how i remember it like you had to pay something but it was also probably less than if you tried to do it on your own. So kind of, kind of seems worth it. Yeah. And also at this point in my life, I joined the speech and debate team in Iowa, in Iowa city in my school. Uh, So I, and I did original oratory, which is writing your persuasive speeches and stuff. Mm. And so I knew that there was going to be some speeches or whatever that we had to do. And it was like, I was like, Oh, you know, this is kind of like my niche. Like I, okay, let me try this thing. And then, um, went on it you know two of my friends from the iowa church part of it went on it too um and i was on the bus that had one of 
uh, Moon's kids on it. Oh, maybe a year or two older than me. Which one? I I wish I could remember her. No. Marilyn Manson uh, had the creepiest feet I've ever seen. She just gave no fucks about anybody, and you could tell she was there because she had to be. Like, she did not want to be. Yes, I love it. I love it. It paints the perfect picture. Jesus. Yeah. I don't even need to know her name. I, I know her. I know her. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, you know who I'm talking about. I think she's so. the one that ended up moving into the Lancaster. Uh, one. Uh, oh, her. Okay. In our trip um, to Europe, we ended up staying the night. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. It's all coming full circle. So I used to live in that church center in London and she lived like a few floors above me. Um, she was not the, not known as being the nicest neighbor. I'll just, I'll just, just, yeah. just leave it there. Uh, but okay. That one. All right, cool. I'm with you. Done. Cool. Her her whole persona and everything on that kind of shattered that image of the true family. Like, because yeah. uh, my sister was nicer than her. To me. You know, right. like, adults yeah. and I were getting along at this point. Like, we fought all the time and it was, it was not a good relationship. But Aldrin would have protected me, you know, or been nicer mm. to me than this girl was. She was yeah. just... I, I hate speaking bad about people, but she just really was not a good person. If they're part of the Moon family, it's okay. You're you're allowed to, especially in this forum. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also feel like she was she. I I related to her in in the sense that I think she was also trying to fulfill family duties. Yeah, they, they must have felt that, right? Yeah, keeping up the appearances despite wanting to be what she was. Yeah. Um, but I also was like, oh, she's like my sister, you know, like wearing the same Marilyn Manson shirt that my sister wore, you know, wearing this dark eyeliner and all this other stuff. Um, so she went through, she she just had that same image as my sister. And I was just like, well, if my sister's bad, but she's a blessed child, then how is my sister bad? Like, I like there was all of these other like things that were going on. Um, but on this trip, we had to do, um, fundraising um in between marches and speeches yeah. and stuff like that we didn't get to do any major sightseeing that i was really hoping to do like you know and you didn't go to the louvre you didn't like see the mona lisa or any of the awesome shit that you could see in europe no we got to march in front of the eiffel tower <laughs> and not go up it um i even remember on one of those marches there was like government official looking people that came up to our group and was like taking photographs of all of us like one was like right up in my face so i'm sure i'm on some version of cia's final of yes. just, yeah. a minor right that's how dumb i mean i i, I think i mean yeah this, this is a crazy thing it's like you're a minor and you're being forced into doing this this sort of shit and and like yeah your face is probably in some fucking french cia database as a as a result yes. Yeah. But it was just one of those things where, um, yeah, yeah there, there was just a lot of things happening all at once. So um, while I was on the tour, I had also picked up a book just randomly from um, this place my mom was working at. Um, it was called Conversations with God uh, by Neil Donald Walsh. Um, and I was reading that um, at the beginning of the tour and everything 
I'm not saying like I'm not saying like I converted to a different religion based on that book, but everything that was said in this book, and I can go into more detail on that later if you want, um, changed or kind of made these clicks, like unlocking a giving permission to completely reject the unification church. Um and recognize my own spirituality, recognize my own ability to connect with the universe and God, you know, as I believe God is the collective soul of all of our souls put together, not just one being, you know, that sort of thing. So like connecting with, you know, God in that way. Um, and the further along we went on this trip, um, and the more lectures we had to sit through, yeah. like we didn't even get to see German, like, you know, like we were on this campsite in Germany and we sat through lectures on that. And there was this one question that came up or the, this one thing that came up and said you can put down whatever question you want and we'll talk about it and i said like you know i'm questioning everything about this church convince me (laughs) and they read it out loud and they're like well it's okay to question you know you just gotta search inside yourself and find i'm like all right bye you know (laughs) um but (laughs) and i and i hate to I don't need stash, but I, there's a lot of bad things about this church, but there were some really good moments. Um, and it, most of it was being around some really beautiful people who, despite the, you know, that they were born in this church too and believed the doctrine, they were very good, you know, wonderful souls. Um, and none of them lived in the United States. Um, like I had a friend from Japan and a friend, friend from Austria that were all on this trip with me and one from uh italy i got if i ever met him again he can bleep it out but i loved him he was just such a great guy and i i was like okay if i sing in the church maybe i could get blessed in him Man, I, 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 all right all right we can we can we can try and work on that no, um i'm, I'm married okay. <laughs> but well it was just like okay maybe that would be the one reason i could do it. Um, but it was by the end of that tour, I was just like, I'm done. Uh, like, there's just nothing about this church I want to have mm. any with because they were forcing us to lie to get money. I and I yep. didn't, I didn't even try to fundraise. Like, I was my the friend from Austria and I paired up a lot to do the fundraising thing, and we're just like, yeah, no, well, let's go meander around some bookshops or whatever and do whatever because. No supervision. Just send these teenagers out into. Yeah, just send them around the city. Yeah, tell them we'll pick them up over here at some time and try and like yeah. sell sell some buttons for money along the way. Pretty much. Right. Well, we didn't even have anything to sell. They just wanted us to pitch our cause and have us earn money. Okay. What we were trying to sell. You okay. Know, ideas. Like I didn't have any product to sell. Yeah. And it would have been easier to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I did PLA, we had to sell um buttons like like a, a lapel pin. Uh and it was called it's called dollars for decency. And you would basically say, like, we're raising money for absence before marriage, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, any donation will go to fund this non-denominational thing, which of course is right. bullshit. And if you donate, you'll get this button that says, like, I donated dollars for decency. Um and so we were see we were selling buttons that said dollars for decency, basically. Wow. No, we didn't we did not have I mean there may have been some people with that product to push, but 
it could have been that I just didn't care enough to even grab it. If I don't get to go sightseeing, you know, officially, this is where I'm going to go see, you know, Independence Hall when we're in Philadelphia. We're supposed to be fundraising that time. I'm like, I'm going to go see Independence Hall, mm. you know, when I went into that. Um, so, like, there's just, I, I was just done at that point. And, but I, I think I really attribute it to, um, a having a public education, um, yeah. having access, you know, the love of history. I mean, I, I love history, um, and having access to education that, um, in a non secular way, introduced me to the rest of the world's religion, um, and in it kind of put in my face what my current religion, you know, was, um, and so I just made this intellectual decision to just. Nope, I'm done. You know, and I after the tour I came home and I, I told my mom and dad and um then I showed them the book that I would had been reading and uh my parents uh both took turns reading this conversation with God book and they're like, Yeah. Um and I think my mom also was put off a lot by the Chung Pyong fundraising and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and I think one of the things she told me one of the things that she heard while she was there and she was just like just lost her faith and all of it was I think one of the guys slipped and said you know we have to raise this money for this palace in Korea <laughs> Oops. And I don't know if he intended to say that as a way uh, people or if that was just a slip of you know like oops I'm actually saying what it's really for yeah and I was like well why would this money for my ancestors go to pay for another house for them yeah. You know, why? Um, and so that was her digression from the church. And I well, think that, that, did did she leave think, like shortly afterwards? Sorry. Like yeah, shortly happening at the same time. Like it was it was around within the same year, if not. Oh, wow, okay. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. And to and to add to that, I, I know she did speak out about how um she she did not like the idea of having to match your own child to another okay. family member's child. Okay. Um, because I think that was a coming of thing, you know, at yeah, that time. Yeah. It was kinda like starting to happen and they knew they would have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I that it was, you know, like a, you could do it at such a young age, like even sixteen, I believe, is what yeah. we were we were informed of so yes. she just there yeah the combination of all of that you know was th that was the biggest kicker for me like okay it took you to that point you know to realize that this was you know enough is enough just to get your your name out of the books or you know just to be one with yourself I think I think you know to this day though like uh my our parents are definitely you know back to their hippie ways prior to this they've always kind of yeah. had this hippie mentality and i uh, what's that new age you know yeah yeah i'm sure you know um so they're they're still very very much into their spirituality okay but they've they've kind of they kind of left as a in in the wake of that that experience yeah. sounds like yeah. that's awesome that's awesome yeah so in the early 2000s, like your parents, yeah, man, you should take credit. That's a big fucking thing to take credit for. That's awesome. That's funny. 
And I yeah. really think that I, I hope that there's, you know, that people who are young ones that are still in the church or people who have the second generations that have left. Um, I know that there's a lot more damage and a lot of our, I think we really lucked out on our parents and still married. They still love each other. You know, there's still, there's something pure about, you know, about their relationship. Um, But I would encourage when people have the courage to do so and have a way to do so. And if, if there's a way to make a relationship with your parents to talk to them, you know, and not an accusational way, you know, don't be like, why did you do this? You know, but go approach, approach them about their experience with joining the church and their motivations with it. Um, you know, with a sense of curiosity, as opposed to, um, you know, accusations, um, because, and really with anything that you find oppositional to your own beliefs, you know, approach it with curiosity on the other side, because they're, they're, uh, if they are willing to have a relationship, they're willing to talk with you about it. It's a really good way to heal. Um, and that a lot of the information that I've been able to relay today came from those types of conversations that I had with my mom, mm. um, you know, and just kind of learning what that is and why, you know, they, they did what they did and why they believed what they believed and why they left when they left, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so they, I just encourage, you know, to try to heal those relationships. And I know that there's some that are abusive and some are not worth healing and some are very toxic relationships. I'm not talking about those, but those of you who can actually still talk to your parents and still, you know, have some relationship with them, you know, try it, you know, you you might be surprised to see, you know, what they are willing to share with you, even if they think that they're convincing you to come back to the church, you know, still try to get some info out of them because I, I think it really helps put the pieces together of, you know, I would not have been able to understand the shit that we went through um, as sisters and as in our own individual way without having those conversations with my parents. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, um, I think that that's honestly, I think we're probably kind of at, at, at a pretty, a pretty good point to end it. I think that's really interesting. Like, like we've covered a lot of interesting ground. I mean, I feel like I could ask you like, like 10 more questions each and we could just keep going. But for the sake of time, it's been, you know, two and a half hours. I, th- I think, I think that's probably good, a good place to wrap it up. Um, but I do, I want to give you guys both the opportunity if there's any, anything, I mean, we can put, if you want, we can put contact details in the show notes, but like, if you guys want to plug anything or tell people how to contact you or say any last words, then, then I, I want to give you the opportunity to do so. So I, I, I can start with either of you, if anyone wants to go first or say anything. Um. You know, I'm I'm happy to um, answer questions if people, um, you know, do have questions. They can email me at alljinkbornbrock at gmail.com. Um, they can follow me on Instagram. Um, it's just under Algen. Um And, uh, you know, I I think, you know, it, it's been so good to, to do this. And, you know, also for the purpose of reaching out to um to people who are, you know, perhaps stuck in this church and who are young 
and can't get out and to know that, you know, there's so many different stories and situations, but I think, you know, out of all of them and, you know, that just keep collecting all of these stories that you guys are collecting, um, you know, hopefully out of all of them, there, there could be one that somebody can relate to, um, you know, and I think just, just to let people, just to let them know that, you know, it is super scary, you know, detaching yourself from that and moving on to uh, a new world. Uh, but, you know, just re just remember that there are, there are people who can love you without this idea of being in a church and, and there, you know, you can love yourself while you're going through this and, and you're safe. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to put all of this into words, but I just, I hope that somebody can gain, um, some insight and, and, um, uh, kind of give them a little bit of a boost to, you know, go out of their realm and, um, you know, have a new adventure in life. You know, if anything, you know, this, what we've all have gone through and, you know, the other lessons in life that we've learned outside of the church is, you know, this is our life experience. Um, and it is something that, you know, we, we have to, we have to honor um, our siblings who have been through this, this journey as well. And so for Sunday, you know, like I, I, you know, I love, yeah. And I'm, I'm really happy that we're able to do this together, given after everything that we've been through and the shit that I put you through. <laughs> but I'm not good with, with these things. So, but yeah. No, it's okay. You're great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, for me, the biggest thing I, I hope this reaches, um, you know, further and further out. Um, but if anybody's still struggling with whether or not they should stay or um, the biggest thing, and even for those who have left who are trying to help others leave, the biggest thing is uh, you can, you can only do so much with intellect, you know, and giving them facts um, and, you know, information. But the biggest thing is approaching everybody um, in this, in this world of, being more woke there's a, a phrase a phrase called trauma informed um and it's a big thing in social work it's a big thing in psychiatry um where we are recognizing that everybody has um trauma in their past whether it seems little to you you know it could be you know somebody got bit by a snake and that was very traumatic but they survived and they're they're fine um, but you think it's a minor thing to them. It was the biggest thing in the world, you know? So, um, you know, the, the biggest thing for me to finally come back to talking to people in the church, cause I, when I left, I had a few people I talked to and then I, I came back, um, more recently, um, you know, by the help of my sister, <laughs> um, to talk to everybody. I, I had a harder time because my experience wasn't as traumatic. My, my leaving was more of a personal choice and intellectual thing. You know, it wasn't, um, you know, one major event that, you know, did it all, but, um, 
it was harder for me to realize that everybody else had a different experience until I started approaching it with the more trauma-informed um, approach. Um, you know, recognizing that the experiences that everybody had is different and their own trauma changes who each person is. It changes the lens in which they see the world, um, you know, and I cannot devalue um, or overvalue um, anybody's experience to be greater or less than what ours was. Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to share this with Aljun because her experience was definitely more traumatic than what I had experienced. Um, but we, and we're both in the same family, you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, well, I wasn't raised that way. You know, we had the same parents and I had a whole different situation, you know, mm. um, it, it's important to understand that everybody is going through their own shit, um, whether they're in the church or not, but especially in the church. And it's the same approach with those of you who are struggling with your parents. They have their own history, their own approach, um, and it, or sorry, their own approach, their own backstory their own trauma that led them to where they are and has kept them to you know where they're at um you know so treat everybody with kindness and an open mind and approach conversations with curiosity and not accusations you know it's a good a good mantra for almost any conversation yeah yeah um cool well thank you so much and um i mean oh I just want to say it's really, it's awesome to hear. I mean, we haven't even gone into it, but it, you know, it sounds like you both as siblings have gone on a journey of, uh, you know, being together, but then separated, but then coming back to coming back together. And it's, it's awesome to have this conversation with both of you here um, and to, to, to see you here and, and hear you. I'm just, I'm delighted to to hear like, it's almost like a happy ending of amongst, amongst all these horror stories is this, mm -hmm. this happy ending of these, these siblings who were like together and then grew apart and came back together. Like that's, that's amazing. And we haven't even gone into the meat of that because we've been talking about so much other stuff, but I'm just really delighted to be, to be here and witnessing that and putting it and putting it on tape. Um, so, um, yeah, thank you both for, um, for being here and for coming forward and to, and to, to, and for sharing your stories. I think it's, it's going to be awesome when this, when this gets released. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. Let's, uh, folks, that's it for my conversation with Aljane and Sunday. I wanted to say thanks again to them for getting involved. And I want to give you a little sense of what's happening next with this show. So, Someone else with connections, deep connections to Jacob House has come forward. And I haven't done the interview yet, but shortly I'm going to be interviewing this person who worked at Jacob House and worked there up until the point that they got shut down. The same time period that Algin talked about in her first interview when she talks about being there when that place got shut down. We're going to talk to one of the caretakers that was there. And Algin's going to be part of that conversation as well. I haven't even recorded it yet at the time of recording this. But I think that interview, which may unfold or one, two, or maybe even three parts, who knows. I think that's going to form the end of this season. I'm not 100% sure. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But to me, that feels like probably the right thing to do. I'm not sure, though. But I just want to make sure that you stick around for whatever's next, because I think it's going to be a fascinating interview. 
And if that's where the season ends, then so be it. If not, we'll keep going. I don't know. But there will definitely be more seasons one way or the other. So whoever you are and whatever you're doing, I just want to say thanks for sticking with the show this far. I hope it's brought some some meaning into your life. And as always, I would like to thank my fellow conspirators. Uh, thank you, Teddy Hose, for the graphic design. Thank you, at Leaky Lou Co. for the portrait. Thank you, Donna Cervelli, for helping out with a bunch of stuff behind the scenes. And thank you to you for listening again. Thank you. Stay strong. And we'll see you next time. Peace.